We're very thrilled here at Bakerstown Church because of a, another opportunity of blessing that has come to us. Two of our high school seniors have been granted the opportunity and chosen by the American Field Service to spend a year abroad at study and living in a different culture in a, another family. Sharon Johns leaves this week to spend a year in Uruguay, and Velvet Hudak, another member of our church, will be spending a year in Brazil. So to both Sharon and Velvet, on behalf of the entire family of Bakerstown Church, we wish you well. We know you go with God. We want you to always know that our love and the Spirit of God we have, we share with you wherever you are. God bless you. Luke, the ninth chapter, beginning to read at the 57th verse. As they were going along the road, a man said to Jesus, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests. But the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. To another, Jesus said, Follow me. But he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. But he said to him, Leave the dead to bury their own dead, but as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Another said, I will follow you, Lord, but let me first say farewell to those at my home. Jesus said to him, No one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. Amen and amen. Your greatest enemy is also mine. His name is procrastination. That's our greatest enemy. Now, Webster defines procrastination as to mean to put off until some time later, to delay, to put off doing something until a future time. I like that definition of the little junior high school boy who one day was asked as a member of his class by the teacher to define procrastination. The boy had been in his Presbyterian church the previous Sunday and he had heard the preacher talk on the doctrine of predestination. And confusing the two words, he says, I know what it is, teacher. Procrastination is what every Presbyterian believes in. This is one thing Presbyterians share ecumenically with Baptists, Lutherans, Episcopalians, even the Methodists. We all fight 
the great enemy, procrastination. And I call procrastination an enemy because that's exactly what it is. It does such tremendous harm. This enemy does harm to the whole kingdom of God. The whole kingdom of God. If you believe, you see, that God has a purpose and a plan for this world, a purpose or a plan that may be rather general and universal, you're going to be logical in that thinking. You also have to believe then that God has a purpose and a plan for every person, one that is personal and particular. I believe that. And I believe also, you see then, when I procrastinate in doing those things that God would have me to do, I prohibit the kingdom of God from coming here on earth as quickly as the Lord would want it to come. Procrastination hurts my relationship with other people. Because, you see, when I hesitate, and when I dally about, and when I postpone, when I serve the enemy procrastination, and do not do the thing for which God created me, I prevent you from doing the thing for which God created you and allow you to become more vulnerable to the enemy of procrastination, your greatest enemy. When I procrastinate, I do great harm to myself. Every moment, that goes by and I do not do that thing for which God has created me I diminish the destiny that much for which God has created me if we are to find fulfillment creativity and joy and liberation and the power that the Bible says we're supposed to have in life it will come only when we defeat the enemy of procrastination and daily we were to take up our crosses daily and follow Jesus only then will I become the person in completeness that God in creating me wanted me to become you see to the best of our knowledge, we never hear of those three nameless persons mentioned in the scripture lesson today. We don't know really what happened to them. Maybe you see when God called them, he had in mind for them opportunities and service even greater than that of Peter, James, and John. But we don't know that. And they don't know that. But I guarantee you one thing. Those three persons died less the personalities God expected them to be when he brought them here on earth. All because of procrastination. The older I get, and I just realized not too long ago, I'm now in middle age. The more I begin to understand the words that I once read. When a person gets older, 
what he regrets the most are not the things that he has done, but rather the things he has not done. Now what causes procrastination? Very thankful to Robert Schuller in one of his little books. Robert Schuller is that pastor of the Token Nut Grove Church out in California. He's also the host of the television program Hour of Power. He has a unique way of putting things. He says that really there are four reasons why we procrastinate. We like to think of them as being reasons, really they're excuses, and there's a vast difference between an excuse and a reason. First of all, he says, we procrastinate because we have hang-ups. Hang-ups. I'm too old. I'm too young. I'm not smart enough. I'm too tired. I don't have enough money. Or the one we hear around here most, I don't have the time. That's a hang-up. We give it as a reason, but it's not a reason, it's an excuse. And how silly some of the excuses. If you could only hear some of the excuses you hear, they'd be as ridiculous as some of the excuses you hear me make. How silly they make us look. I, I heard about a preacher once who was asked to speak three months in advance, and he didn't want to do it. And person asking kept insisting, oh, come on, come on. The man didn't want to go, and he gave us his reason. He thought he couldn't go because he was going to have a funeral. And the asker was dumb enough to buy it. How silly. These are hang-ups. Hang-ups. That's one reason why we procrastinate. Jeweler says, secondly, they're what we call bang-ups. Bang-ups. These are the old hurts, the old defeats, the, the old scars that keep affecting us and which we think are strong enough to really keep us from doing anything. I got hurt once. I'll never get married again. I'll never believe in God again. And these bang-ups continue to serve as our excuses as to why we don't do something today. I want to tell you something, you never get very far going forward by looking in a rear view mirror. Three, gang ups. The spirit of competition, the opposition. Oh, you have to be a little paranoid, you see, to use this excuse, but everybody's against me. I cannot do it. And we think that as long as we stand up and say that, we feel we have an excuse and yield to the enemy, procrastination. Schuller in his book tells about a young individual, an immigrant, who refused to get hung up on his gang-ups. He had one of those little stores after he came to America, it wasn't much bigger than a bedroom and had one door. He was the lone employer and the lone employee. But he worked very hard and he sold all sorts of products and did very, very well until one day a big chain store bought the building on the right and began to renovate. 
And on the left, the cut-rate drugstore purchased that building, and they began to renovate. And lo and behold, they were both to open on the same day. The one on the right, the chain store, hung out a great one-story sign up above which said, Grand Opening, Special Discount. The other store on the left, not to be undone, said, New Introductory Offers, Special Prices. And these great big signs hung on the left and on the right. And you know what our little friend did? Above his door, he put the sign, Main Entrance. Most of us do not have that type of ingenuity. Most of us do not have that type of courage. We'd rather stand and talk about how strong they are instead of how powerful we might be. Like the spies that were sent out into the new land, they came back and said, Oh, those people of opposition, they're like giants, and we are like grasshoppers. It's only Caleb, remember, who had the different spirit. Most of us don't have that spirit. We allow gang-ups to be our reason, our excuse for procrastinating. And then there are hang-ups, there are gang-ups, and the last one that we had to look at, these are rang-ups. Rang-ups are those particular achievements in life that really make you think you made it. And because you have a lot of trophies on the shelf, a lot of plaques framed upon the wall, it makes you think that you've done your share. You don't have to do anymore. You really have an excuse for not getting involved. That kind of ease always leads to some disease. I've seen too many retired people fall apart simply because they have yielded to this type of thinking and been defeated by the great enemy, procrastination. I don't know why you procrastinate. I have a hard enough time keeping myself active and involved. So I don't want to diagnose the problem anymore. I want to try to help you to get some solutions. And please listen to some simple suggestions, what you might do to combat this enemy procrastination. First thing I would suggest, make up your mind you're going to act now. Make up your mind you are going to act now, today, this is the hour. You see, procrastination really comes through the thinking process, and that great enemy will never really attack your arm, your leg, not even your gallbladder, but he will your mind. It sounds so simple, I don't know why we don't do it more easily, but we don't. It's just, make up the mind that you are going to act, and you are going to act now. I don't care if it's writing a letter, making a telephone call, starting that company, or following through with that thing that God, by His Holy Spirit, has been nudging you about for some time. Yes, I 
I believe that for anyone who confesses Jesus as Christ and Lord and Savior and has an understanding about His Holy Spirit and who allows himself to be sensitive to that leading of the Holy Spirit, I believe God, by the power of that Spirit, is literally bombarding us 24 hours a day, seven days a week, every day of the year, with ideas, with thoughts, trying to lead us into that new truth that Jesus said the Spirit would lead us into, bringing us into new concepts and developing new ideas. Where do you think ideas for inventions, discoveries, plans, movements begin? They begin with God working through the mind of an individual, you and me. How God must be pulling his hair out at times because we yield to the enemy of procrastination and we say, Thy kingdom come, Lord, but not yet, not now. Let's wait till tomorrow. Make up your mind you are going to act now, today. That's it. That's the first step. That's 90% of the way. Two, write down your plan. Write down your plan. You see, that's where most plans fail. We decide we're going to do something about it, but we don't write the plan down. Now that seems elementary enough, so elementary that I'm sure some of you will dismiss it. But believe me, that is a very important point. One of the things for which I'll always be grateful to my father is that he taught me love for two books. One is the Bible, and the second, strange as it may sound, how to use a notebook. My father was one of those individuals who felt that he had a responsibility to teach his children responsibility. And the way he did it was allowing my sister and myself to share in the work around the house. And my father was always a man of action and very, very explicit in everything that he did. And I'll never forget, he had always on his desk and carried always in his pocket some form of a notebook. And always when I wanted to go play ball or do something, I would get a slip from that notebook. And it, on it would be my itinerary for the day. He would stand beside me and explain, now, you mow the lawn, and you rake the leaves, and you do this, and you do that, and then you're free to play. But as you do things, check them off. Oh, how I hated to see those little bits of paper. But I learned my lesson well. I learned my lesson well. I still carry little red book. Those of you who sit in meetings with me, you know how often this is used. Write it down. And write it down as full as you can. Put down dates. Give your time periods and mark them down. 
There's a power that comes, you see, in the use of a pen or a pencil. You salesmen understand that. You who sell products or services, where would you be if you couldn't get somebody to sign on a dotted line after you have written something down? You see, when you write something down, you have a commitment. <laughs> That's the word we talk about in church so often. You have a commitment to produce. You have a time schedule. You say you and your company are going to do something by a particular time. And when you do that, there's a power, there's a feeling of purpose, there's a deadline. I have a friend, Al Ockenheil. Some of you know him. He's an elder in another church. He speaks out here occasionally. He has a way at Christmas time of sending greetings, not in the form of cards, but he sends a work calendar for the next year. What a tremendous thing to do, because here's a man who understands the power of writing something down. You know, when I visit in some of your homes, I have great experiences. You know, some of you get a little embarrassed when I come unannounced. But one room that I always like to visit is your kitchen. That's not for that reason, that you think. No, my friend Pete Costas takes good care of that. I like to go to the kitchen because I find that that is where most of you, if you have them, put calendars where you write notes and either on a some type of a tack board or magnetized to the refrigerator, you have schedules. And how pleased I am when I see you have one of those and how thrilled I am when I see it filled with many, many dates because here I say, is a family who is active, who cares, who's not afraid to make a commitment, and who has a plan. And somehow, whether they know it or not, is combating the forces of the enemy procrastination. Make up your mind, write down your plan. Call out for help. God says that with faith you can move mountains, but he doesn't expect you to do it yourself. He says you're to produce fruit, but he doesn't expect you to do it by yourself. He says that you're to plow a road, but you don't have to do it yourself. Call for help. Call unto him who is the author and the creator. Call unto him who is the sustainer. In prayer, call for help. And call for help from people about you. See, some of us get defeated there by our enemy because we are too independent. We want to do it ourselves. We think that it would be wrong to ask somebody to help us, how wrong we are. I don't know if Jesus ever wrote anything down, but I know one thing. He sure called for help. Beginning of his ministry, he said to Peter, James, John, come, follow me. I need you. Even the last day of his earthly life, he did not resist the help of one who was called out of the crowd to carry his cross. Jesus involved people by calling them to help him. And that's what you and I are supposed to do, because ladies and gentlemen, whether you believe it or not, God does not give us a task to do, a plan to fulfill, without giving us the people to support and he's already, or will be soon, placing somebody into your acquaintanceship who was created to help you. And when you don't call him, you see, you thwart him of his opportunity and enable him to become a follower 
of procrastination. Don't rob people of that privilege. Call on them. And four, check off your accomplishments. Check them off. In the little system that I use here to the left, there's a place to check off things that are accomplished. And I want to tell you, one of the greatest joys I have at night is sitting down after a busy day and checking them off. And boy, with such bold strokes, I really check those things off. And the more I check, if I've not wasted the day, you know, there comes upon me a certain calm, a new power, a sense of accomplishment, a feeling of importance. Not that I've done anything outstanding. I've only done that for which I've been called to do. And I can go to sleep better because I know that for that day, the great enemy procrastination has been defeated. Anyone who puts his hand to the plow and looks back, he or she is not fit for the kingdom of God. Amen. Father, please help us to be people who waste neither your time nor our time. And now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the power of his Holy Spirit be and abide with you all now and forevermore.